I was reading this uh, great article about body positivity, you know, and one of the things that get brought up is that, you know, in clothing stores, department stores like that, you know, we should probably start try incorporating like plus size mannequins and mannequins that are a little bit more realistic to, you know, he, uh, women's bodies and stuff like that. Yes. You know, that's, that's something that like I can agree with, I can get along with, but I was thinking yeah. about it and I want to get even more inclusive, right? Let's yes, get as inclusive as possible. It's like, like, so, you know, I, I want mannequins that match your county, your community, your neighborhood, right? So Dover down in Mississippi, I want mannequins of like pregnant nine-year-olds. That was that was a stretch, bro. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> that was the stretch of the year. You know, it's a stretch. You know, <laughs> pregnant nine-year-olds' bellies over their you know children's clothing because oh yes because over because their justice the South. justice pants <laughs> <laughs> justice justice maternity wear. <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be great. I mean, that's something that Mississippi can really get behind. Oh yeah, yeah. Miss, there's uh, a whole a Mississippi, maternity a Mississippi ring. exclusive. Yeah. So I mean, like, there's more money to be made in the petite uh, maternity wear side of things <laughs> for the South only. You know, don't don't need to bring that to California. We will we will take care of that. But uh, <laughs> you want to go have your baby in fourth grade. And it can learn long division with you as you, mm -hmm. as you learn it in fourth grade. You guys are going yeah, to high school together one day, you know, Mississippi is on the cutting edge. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Getting your GED <laughs> at the same time. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Family values. Adam, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'm tired, man. This is the first time we've recorded early in a long time. In it's quite like, a while. Yeah. Been, my wife is sleeping behind us. My dog is sleeping next to us. My children have gone off to the factories like they do most Saturday mornings. Mm -hmm. Earning it's, their rent. It's a good time. Earning their yes. rent. So we'll see if we get interrupted by them leaving their shift early. <laughs> uh, and it's hot. It's eight in the. It's so eight hot. ten in the morning at the time of this recording, and it's so hot. Oh my gosh, we're currently in the middle of like the huge West Coast, like week and a half long heat wave that's going that's going on right now. The dog days, as they call it, the dog uh, days. This seems to always eight, happen right at the end of summer. You know. 81 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning. It's beautiful. That's Just fun. Beautiful. I'm, I'm reading 84 over at me. So like, Ooh, ooh boy. Man, that's that, that, that you're in the future. So that's what I, I can <laughs> a little look bit, forward yeah. to since you're a little, you're 12 miles North. So whatever that time difference is, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I'll, the I'll literal heat wave <laughs> is coming towards you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so frightened, but uh, yes, other than that, um, Man, your job. We need to talk about your new job because it's been like two weeks and you haven't talked about it yet. And if you're going to earn these points that you allegedly will get when Biden survives the year, then you should probably talk about your <laughs> new job. Oh, is it time Please. to talk about my new job? I could have sworn we did already, though. But you did, you've been doing it now for two weeks. And last oh. week you had to postpone recording because you were, quote, beat. You know, I was pretty beat, man. Like I'm mentally exhausted and like, and, and what the crazy, so 
I'm in HR now. I am an HR specialist. I'm pretty sure I said that a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, big points for your boy, Mike, over here. This is something I've been, not necessarily for HR, but like it, it's something that I've been kind of uh, working towards for the last several years and stuff. So, well, you know, my several. job gave me several is the understatement. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Turns out I just need, I just needed a, a, a boss that like really believed in me and like really wanted to push for me and vouch for me and stuff. But you know, so that, like, that, 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 Mike, that helps. We get all these complaints from the workers about, you know, this guy picked up that staple and that guy didn't give enough staples to this guy. We really oh want gosh, you to be the one many to mediate. We want you to mediate <laughs> these things because HR is, is part of that. Unfortunately, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And, and, you know, there's also the business side of it, the financial mm-hmm. side of it. There's so mm-hmm. much like oh, that's been on my plate. And the, and the, and the great thing about it is that my, my uh, boss who, was promoted like a year ago like like she was in the position i was that i'm in now and then she got promoted to i guess her her title is like hr business partner um but uh yeah it sounds sounds fancy but uh so i took her job she was doing like all the tasks that she was she would normally do in that desk and then um you know along with her new task so now so i'm taking over her role uh Mm. so i trained with her for literally a week and she's mm-hmm. in Australia right now. She's been in Australia for the last two weeks on vacation yes, with her that, family. She's like, here, I'm going to disappear now. Take over my job, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but despite the anxiety and stress and the and all of the workload that I've been taking on for the last couple of weeks, I think I've been doing pretty well. Uh, I've been getting lots of compliments from the upper management team. And, you know, people they're saying that they've been impressed i've even had like a couple associates that have been needing something at the hr office uh tell me like oh thank you so much i think you're doing a great job and like oh that that means a lot man that means a lot so i've been so even though i'm tired and exhausted and full of mental anguish like i i i I think i'm i think i'm doing a pretty good job and and overall you know, you agree, your wife agrees, my wife agrees, like this is going to be a good career move for the future. So I'm excited. So. As long as you can run your AC for a couple more hours a day now, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the one I mean, of the great your things. Your career, your career is, you know, secondary to this. Cause AC is king. Right. You still got 30 more years of working. So, you know, let's not worry about that. Let's worry about you being cool. <laughs> right now <laughs> hey, i just bought a new pair of sneakers i'm cool whoa nice okay <laughs> adam i'm excited man because it's we about are, time yeah it's so we, long since we've done this so i think i'm so glad that we're long. doing it again so now we're gonna be doing like i guess we can say the official first episode of the greatest song in the world you know the last time we did this a few weeks ago kind of a pilot right kind of kind of a you know, reading the room a little bit, seeing what the people like about it. We're getting good. We got good feedback. Uh, we even got an email as well. So we sure did, you know, we're we sure be... did on, on your song, but that's okay. On my song. <laughs> the only feedback we got was on oh. your song, but that's fine. That's fine. That song was great. Well, it turns out I actually did choose the greatest song in the world. <laughs> I, I think you did. <laughs> 
No, no, but we got an email about uh, a submission. So I'm excited to read that out when we get to this new batch of songs. So uh, if you don't know, folks, we this is going to be a reoccurring segment. We're going to shoot for doing this about every month, you know, maybe the beginning of the month, you know, depending on how busy we are, uh, you know, in November and December, you know, that's already been reserved for, you know, end of the year stuff and discussions and stuff. But, you know, we'll, 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 this, this is something we want to do at least once a month. Uh, so that kind of leaves like 10 months of the year that we can do it. So, you know, every year we have like a, a list of 10 songs to submit to the greatest mm. song in the world. And this is we just run out. We might run out of songs. So. Well, one day I can't wait till we do, man. I can't <laughs> wait till we like scrape the bottom of the barrel and like, uh, all right. We, I come from a, <laughs> Teenagers by My Chemical Romance. It's the only one I haven't done that's, yet. That's, yeah. I come from <laughs> a land songs. down under. <laughs> <laughs> that song's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> Take on me. I mean, when he hits that high note, I mean, that, that was pretty okay, I guess. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look, at that. Look, look at the raw talent on display here. But, uh, yeah, this, this is just a way for us to kind of bring forth uh, and highlight some songs that we absolutely love, whether they be for you know, lyrical purposes for thematic purposes for musical or, or, or vocals, you know, whatever the, whatever the case may be, we're just going to submit it and talk about it and discuss why we feel that these songs are the greatest song in the world. So we got a, we got another batch of, uh, you know, Adam and I brought one, an, another, uh, uh, brought one for today. And we're going to be reading out uh, uh, a submission from one of our listeners as well. Agreed. <laughs> Shall we get right into it then? I think we should. Theme, theme, theme music, please. Theme music, Mr. Jack Black. He asked us, "Be you angels?" And we said, "Nay, we are but men." Rock. Thank you very much, Mr. Jack Black and one Kyle Glass for that theme music. They wrote that just oh gas. Th- is it gas? Yeah. I thought it was glass. No. Kyle Gas. Kyle Glass. J B K G and Lee. Kyle. Oh my god. I'm a I'm such a fake fan. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell you that ever since we watched Cable Guy when you mentioned that. When he oh. makes his cameo at the end of the movie, but I forgot. Right. One Kyle Glass. Oh God! Now, now I'm really insecure. Anyway, I was going to say before I so rudely interrupted with my own ignorance uh, that that the Tenacious D were nice enough to write that uh, theme song just for us. Thank you. That was very more nice tenacious, of you. More Tenacious D to come. Well, I hope so. But uh, yeah, so we're going to get right into it. We're going to start off with a submission post that was emailed to us over this past week. Uh, you know, over, a, we, we have a discord if you don't know, and it's, uh, and you can find it in the link, uh, in the description of this episode below. It is free and it is open to the public. We'd love to have you over there to participate or to hang out or to read along, whatever you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, one other way you can interact with us is by email at the skinny with Mike and Adam at gmail.com where our listener Thomas submitted this for uh, Greatest Song in the World. This is for the song Noija with Runaway. Now, this is a band that you're familiar with, right? 
just the one album that he recommended that apparently yeah. I gave a so-so opinion to. <laughs> that album is Through Fire, All Things Are Renewed. So, uh, Adam, I, I don't know, do you, did you want to listen along with this while I uh, read the email, or do you want me to just go ahead and read the email? I'll, I'll, I'll of course, play it uh, on, the, on the actual episode, but did you want to listen along? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. Okay. Well, let me know when you're ready, my friend. So uh, while Adam's getting ready, I'll just talk about another way you can interact with the show. You can also interact with me over on Instagram at Mike Wears Prada. So once again, that's Discord, email, and Instagram if you just want to hang out with me. Uh, You know, in in between episodes, our listeners, you know, our our, our more active listeners like to talk and, uh, you know, and uh, discuss, you know, like new album announcements, new songs. Uh, you know, we discuss show topics. We Sometimes we play games. Uh, this past week, we, we did something cool where at the first of the month, every month, we've been, for this year, we've been talking about some of our favorite, our top 12 albums of all time. This past September 1st, we talked about our number four. And boy, are there some heavy hitters. So if that's something that you'd like to, you know, follow along with or join along with, we'd love to have you there. And, you know, we, 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 once in a while we get a new discord, uh, person to come or a new user to come hang out with us on discord. Most of those people are lurkers, which is perfectly fine. You know, uh, sometimes I feel uncomfortable, you know, talking with strangers, but that's okay. It's all right. You know, you, you you guys do you. I love strangers. Strangers <laughs> scare the living shit out of me. Uh, <laughs> Adam, you all set? Stop Stop spoiling my song for today. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started with uh, the song Runaway by Noija in three, two, one. So Thomas emailed us. This album is an incredible dive into depression. How depression changes you and how you ultimately learn to accept your feelings and live with them. The first seven or so songs on the album delve into the depths of depression, a person's struggle with it, and the feeling of hopelessness that consumes them. However, I feel this song is the album's inflection point and ultimately drives the theme of the album of acceptance, learning to understand your feelings and embracing them. The song's title describes its message, which is a person trying to, quote, run away from their pain and at which they ultimately fail. This message is perfectly set up by the song's structure, more on that later. This track could not be better placed on the album and moves the album into a slightly more positive ending than the initial half of the album. Lyrically, this song is just brutal. They say time heals wounds, but I'm not healing. Put a patch on my heart, but I'll keep bleeding. This is so relatable to me because the depression and associated feelings never really fade. The more you try to run, the worse it gets. That is the song's message, that you can't run away from your feelings, and the rest of the album continues the narrator's journey of acceptance and healing. Musically, this is one of the most interesting songs I've ever heard. The song, it starts of, it starts off gently, with little except the vocals for the first minute or so. From there in the first chorus, they bring in the full band, and this really emphasizes the emotion being felt by the narrator. However, in, it is the bridge and the outro that just absolutely crush me. After the second chorus, they start in with some light acoustic guitar before moving into some more emotional vocals from the singer. Out of, no, out of nowhere, they bring in the choir element. That is one of the most beautiful outros I've ever heard. This is my number one song for 2020. We're at, yes, beating all post-human survival horror songs by Bring Me the Horizon. 
I'm still, quote, fake mad at Adam for calling us a 50-50 album. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Still Searching by Senses Fail, uh, this is one of my favorite albums of all time that explores depression. Love you guys and love the idea of the segment of the show. I'll submit some more songs as you continue to explore this topic. Signed, Thomas. And man, like reading along with that, you know, when he sent me this email last week and listening along, you know, I've read the email a couple of times at this point. Uh, sometimes I read it without the uh, song playing in the background. Sometimes I did. And oh my gosh, when I did, chills, dude. And this isn't an album that I'm familiar with, right? This is, uh, you know, something that you're familiar with. Was this a song that uh, initially um, stood out to you when you listened to this album back in 2020, Adam? It might have. I haven't gone back to this album since then. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's... Is it, is, it, is it ringing any bells? So this, this is a second to last track, I believe. Mm, okay. Nope, not ringing any bells, unfortunately. Uh, oh, but okay. This one didn't click with me as much, but yes, there's the choir element right there. Yeah, it's kidding right here, and it does really add that added element, right? Like just like Thomas was talking about, like it punctuates. It's almost as if like that's the inner voice in you screaming to continue to try to keep running away when you when all you really need to do is learn to accept the the, the things in your life that you can't change, you know. And that's it's it's a beautiful message, and it's beautifully sung. And I love the overture. It really adds to the atmosphere of um, this track, and just it, it, it really is quite the submission. And um, yeah, the number one, you can tell like this is the number one song for a reason, and it's just hard hitting, and it makes me want to check out this album. You know, so it's kind of a shame that we can't talk about it right now. That like you know, because I thought maybe this would have this would have rung some bells at least for you for the, the album as a whole, but. Um, I guess right. it's fun to relive a little bit yeah that's something i'll just maybe just go check out on my own so thank you so much thomas for that submission beautiful song beautiful beautifully spoken uh and, and 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 well put so if you guys have any other segments or songs that you'd like to submit you know if 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 the next time we do this and we get like a lot maybe i'll do like a little sidebar thing and like just put the songs themselves and then read the emails you know just so that so that this e- this episode doesn't end up being like 30 minutes long, but, or I'm sorry, 30, 30, mm. 30 hours long, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys want to submit songs for the greatest song in the world, feel free to do so either on our discord or at, uh, the skinny with Mike and Adam at gmail.com. That was pretty cool. Yes. This band, I thought they had a new album this year, but not according to Jeff Bezos. So that's okay. No, I, I, I've yeah, again. I'm not too familiar with the band Noija. And I, the only thing mm-hmm. I do know is that like you checked them out a couple of years ago, uh, or it might have been last year after we got everybody. Tom, end of the year. Tom list, recommended right? them when when he first joined us, and I believe this album was part of that. Oh, right on. <clears throat> Through fire, all things are renewed. So mm-hmm. yes, I didn't. I, I need <clears throat> to go back and and uh, reassociate myself with this song. Yeah, so, so definitely, I want to check out that full album too. Album. See this, see how this album, uh, or see how the song um, fits in with the f- full context of the album too. Because you know, Thomas also mentioned in his email that like this song really punctuates the, um, like, the the turn into positivity for the for the overall album's theme. So that'll do it for uh, for the audience submission song for this month, uh, Adam. You know, since I went ahead and started last time and I've been talking for the last, uh, you know, several minutes. Would you like to yes. go ahead and go on first for your pick? I, th- 
I think I should, because this is, you know, another one of those deep cut songs um, from the 90s, my formative years of music, more or less. So, um, but yeah, this was the track that, uh, I don't know, there was a lot of Pearl Jam tracks that sucked me into this band in the early 2000s and, you know, through the 90s as well. But this was the one where it was like, oh, this is one that people don't know even though it turned out later that this was a single but apparently not a very big <laughs> single so and that's fine that's fine i'll keep it for myself um and especially by pearl jam's third album like they were still super duper popular but Vitality. this is where yes this was where the cracks started to show in the band and um they were you know, quickly falling back down to earth. Um, and a lot of people were not super big fans of this album because of its obscurity, although it still yielded them many, uh, hit singles. So still sold like crazy, but you know, the band obviously at different stages of their career, not really appreciating much about being in the showbiz industry. And also this was coinciding with the Kurt Cobain, suicide that happened a few months before this album came out. So doing my diligent lyric genius uh, research, I realized like, oh, hey, this might have had some connection to the Kurt Cobain uh, suicide from earlier that year. But this is this track, the closing track, the proper closing track of Vitality. Proper closing track, yeah, from Vitality. (laughs) This is the song Immortality, even though there is a song coming right after this. But uh, (laughs) we don't talk about Foxy Mop Handle. Hey, Uh, you know, we're having a good time here, right? (laughs) We're just having fun, you know? Right. Foxy, no, Stupid Mop. That's what it's called. We don't talk about (laughs) Stupid Mop because that is a train wreck of a song. (laughs) So don't listen to that one. Uh, Close with Immortality. Delete the next song. That's what I always did on my iPod. So (laughs) Immortality. um, Yeah, it's like Pearl Jam still sounding like the arena rock, you know, juggernaut that they were at the time. But it was right before they drastically changed their sound on No Code and completely alienated two thirds of their fan base, which was great at the time. I'm sure for them, get, get but, the gatekeepers um, out of here, man. <laughs> exactly. True fans only. Right. So this was that interesting little like end of that era of the band and then kind of what they became. So, um, but yes, uh, just ju- jumping deeper into the lyrics. I mean, it's, it's obviously got all the heroin metaphors going on here. I didn't really think about the whole Kurt Cobain elements here because it's hard to tell if this song was even written before or after his suicide. Well, well speaking of the song itself, did we want to go ahead and jump into the song? I believe Since it, it, sounds, it sounds like you're already deep diving into it. So, and the song is like five minutes plus long, so maybe we should start. But it's got it's got like a long extended instrumental outro at the end. Well, then it sounds like you should start talking about it now. <laughs> Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So you, you have the song queued up on your end? I am ready. All right. Here we go. In this is uh, Immortality by Pearl Jam in three, two, one. So we start with some Eddie Vedder guitar work right there just to start. Now, every time I hear it, I am reminded of hearing this song live in 2003. Mm. Just like a moment for me. 
Judging that nobody else in the crowd knew that knew the song, but that's okay. I cheered. And then those drums, those Dave Ambrosi drums that always were the perfect drums for this band, this last song with the band. But anyway, Eddie Vedder's haunting baritone um, comes right in there. And again, jumping into the lyrics, jumping into all of the heroin metaphors. 94 was pretty much when everybody started dying. 94 to 96 was kind of when, when the heroin started to really tear down everybody who had been using at that point. Perfect atmosphere too, right? Like they, they really create like such a, such a dreadful, haunting, but also beautiful atmosphere, mm-hmm. almost dreamlike, almost as mm-hmm. if you were in a heroin like stupor for, uh, yep. in this song. Uh, just so the good. Way the, uh, just the way that those symbols kind of like carry the chorus there. It's a very simple, short chorus. Obviously not too bombastic, but those symbols just kind of carry it. Brian Fallon did a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so verse two, going a little bit deeper into the crumminess of being a rock star. Um, and kind of the, uh, you know, again, building yourself up. This is what life should be when you're in a rock band. And then like, oh, it's like pretty shitty when you boil it down to it. I know. Can we just like write music and like hang out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do we have to deal with all this like garbage fame yeah. and shit? Back into a second little chorus here. Truth finds home and a wish to hold So Vetter uses the term truant as a replacement for the term attic, addict. This song is full of metaphors. This addict thinks he has found a place where he or she could escape of their addiction. However, the drug has taken over. All is not as it seems. Hence the trap door in the sun. Beautifully spoken too, you know, beautifully written. You got some, it almost sounds like Stone and Mike McCready are kind of, uh, going back and forth on this album or going back and forth on their on their guitar solos here so that's kind of cool I know it really is I'm listening to it with earbuds in right now and there's a binaural audio thing going on so there's you know Mm. one guitarist is in my right ear the other guitarist is in my left ear right now it's so fucking produced so well and then I love this little like instrumental build up back into the back into the bridge here Ooh, that transition, bro. Ooh, chills. I love this bridge. It's such a buildup. Auctioned forearm. How about that for heroin metaphors? Shit, dude. Interesting. And some die just to live. So in some cases of depression that lead to suicide, the victim believes that death is better than being alive because there is no more pain. So in a sense, they are dying to live. Live Just to feel something again, you know? Fuck. There you go. What Man. a well-written 
song lyrically, man. Like, there's there's so many. You you can probably find like countless songs about like drug addiction or drug abuse or a friend dying from like drug use and stuff. But there is seldom times they are written as well as like this song itself. You know, it, it's 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 some sometimes they're always like just blunt and you know the metaphors don't always hit you as hard. But again, like the overall lyricism, coupled with the coupled with like the the tones of the guitar work and like the overall pacing of the song, really, like the sum of its parts here are really working so well to release the message out to the audience. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's quite quite the epic closer um, on an album that is not full of epic songs. So for me, this is always like kind of a 50, 50 album. I think you had the same, um, take on this album. Yeah. Vitalogy wasn't my favorite, but that's, this song was right. definitely a standout. Right. And you know, you, you joked about it when you first started, but yeah, I mean, this is the proper <laughs> way to end this album, you know? Right. So I'd always go back to that album, um, just for that reason. Cause I always knew like, well, at least when you get through everything, you can, uh, enjoy the closer and, um, kind of revel in all of that. Um, but yeah, I don't hear too many people talking about this song. It feels like it's a very buried Pearl Jam track. One of the best ones, um, out there. There's a lot of other not so great Pearl Jam songs out there, but <laughs> yeah, which is um, interesting because like you said, this was a single, uh, and I, I remember when, um, I listened to it a couple years ago. Was it last year? I can't remember. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I, I told you, like, oh, I, I don't, I don't recognize this song, and like, I guess mm-hmm. the song that wasn't a huge single then, right? Because uh, Corduroy and Better Man were mm-hmm. huger singles off of that album, and Nothing Man was also a, a lesser sing- single, and then yeah, Immortality I think might have been the fourth one. So uh, yeah, I had never heard that song anywhere yeah, else. Not a lot I of rock bands have like their you know, introspective ballad type songs be one of their biggest tracks, right? When you think mm-hmm. of Pearl Jam, you're thinking of something like Corduroy or Better Man, for example. You know, you're you're thinking right. of all like the the hits that they've had previous to this. And, you know, for a song like Immortality, that's a let's admit it, a feel bad song, right? <laughs> it's 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 it doesn't yep. it doesn't scream like, oh radio hit. Let's let's bum the audience out right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Even daughter. I mean, daughter is all about, you know, child abuse. Oh, that, yeah. that was a huge hit for them, obviously. <laughs> but like it, it, it's a, it's a fucking banger though, I guess, you know, <laughs> In, for lack of a better term. Yeah. <laughs> this is like tonally like a very, you know, down tuned song. It's, it's very slow. You know, it's slow and methodical daughter, you know, even though it's, it's heavy lyrically, <laughs> not so much uh, in all the other aspects of it. Yes. So that is why Immortality is the greatest song in the world. I think it might be my favorite Pearl Jam song of them all um, when you break it all down. I have several others that I really enjoy, um, more so at the beginning end of their career. Um, But yeah, Immortality was always that one where, again, my my gatekeeper mentality of my early 20s, like, have you even heard Immortality, bro? (laughs) I mean, you can like Jeremy and Alive and Even Flow and all, but Immortality, have you heard Immortality? No? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get off my podcast, okay? That was me. (laughs) There there are very few things 
that Adam is a gatekeeper on. <laughs> <laughs> and have you heard of immortality, bro? Is one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, me at 22, which is when I was very much like learning and absorbing all of this, just like, I'm a real fan. You're not. We're going to stay here at the at the Irvine Spectrum, you know. And <laughs> I mean, I know there's like 20,000 other people here right now, but. I know immortality. We are not leaving until you know, bro. Do you know, bro? You don't know, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But well, if you when did you deep cuts. When did you oh, first sorry, hear what? this song? Did you hear it on the radio first or was your first no. exposure when you checked out Vitality? No, when I when I, you know, started to have enough money to buy used albums um and I bought this one, it was just like trying to figure out what was going on on this album in certain areas. And then you get to the end of it and you're just like, Oh shit. There's like a big acoustic ballad that has like, like so many epic qualities to it. Um, and that would have been right around 2002. Like that was when I started to, uh, absorb all that. Cool. Right on, man. And then by 2003, when I saw them live three days, in a row. Um, you know, I was, I was all in at that point. <laughs> Did they play immortality all three days? No, just the first day. Cause they oh. changed up their set. Oh, that's every right. Every single that's time. That, that fucking rules. I was only supposed to see them two days that week, but when I showed up the first day, they were giving away free tickets for the second day. Ooh, hell so yeah. Like, oh, I was just like, well then I might as well come back. <laughs> Even though I was going to be like all the way back on the, on the lawn. Um, at uh, Irvine Meadows, now Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. I don't know what it's called now in, in Irvine, but at the time it was called the Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. So it was just like, shit, let's let's come back for day two. Why not? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Playing the same venue three days in a row and playing well, different third, songs each set. That's fucking the, awesome. The first two days were, at, were in Irvine. The third one was in San Diego at the San Diego Sports Arena. Ah, okay. So that was uh, the, the, for, for that one. And that was when I was just like, okay, I need to stop seeing Pearl Jam so much. I've, I've heard all the songs I need to sit, to hear. They played the it all. They literally played it all over the course right. of three days. Right. So yes, that was, and then by 2006, I was just like, I don't want to listen to Pearl Jam anymore. I'm done. <laughs> Can somebody give me some new music, please? There's nothing, there's no other new music in 2006 to listen to. I'm just like, I'm dead to music right now. <laughs> well, you just so, have to wait a few years and find a flyer at, uh, at Starbucks for a, a drummer for a new band. I know. And that took a whole other year and a half afterwards. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> Listen to Pearl Jam somewhere, I guess. Anyway, Adam, let's talk great about, pick. Great pick. Let's talk about what I was. I was shocked by your by your choice for this week. I yeah. really, really was. I was not expecting a, a track off of this particular album, which Mike has dubbed his least favorite album from this band. And for me, my yes. most favorite album from this band, <laughs> so which still baff- which still baffles me. But however, you know, so we're, ta- we're right now we're, we're talking about uh, uh, a, a song from one one of my favorite bands. Uh, they are they are my f- I, I would I would go on to say that they are my favorite band of all time. They are, but my my favorite active band at the moment is Bring Me the Horizon. But if you were to talk about it of all time, it would be Thursday, right? And they've had. Like out, out, like six albums. I'll see. No, wait. Is it six? I think it's Five. six. Five? No, you're right. Six. Yeah. So, so had, long since they had an album, it's we haven't we haven't deep dived into. Oh my god! Game. It's I know it's been eleven <laughs> years. Maybe we should do a oh Thursday retrospective at some point. But uh, yeah. 
This is a uh, this is a song off of their fifth album, Common Existence, uh, an album that like like Adam mentioned, like I'm contentious with. It, it, it isn't until like midway through the album, like around track seven and eight that like the album starts to get weird and boring and i don't feel like the execution of some of the songs hit hard until you get to like track 10 and 11 where love is led us astray and you were the cancer or like two of the best like ending songs of any album i've ever heard in my life so like you know so it, it really is just like that middle part that's kind of like okay this is kind of holding me back from being like an a plus that like all the other thursday albums for me are but uh this one uh in particular i'm choosing a song uh off of this album that when i first heard it back in 2009 it was it really hit me hard and like to this day like this song has stuck with me uh this I've learned a lot from this song, right? And it's it's a song that I think does an expert job of of verbalizing my complex feelings on, at least from the U.S.'s point of view, like the military-industrial complex, right? This is the song of Friends in the Armed Forces. Uh, mm -hmm. So musically, you know, we're going to listen to it in a bit here it's a banger of a song like it, it hits hard like every member of the band is just doing their best job like like jeff is singing his heart out he's screaming his heart out and it's just like just just as a song it, it fucking hits you it, it's a this song fucks right but it's it's really where the lyrics are that really elevate this to what i feel is one of the best songs of all time and like i said there's that complex feeling when you're when you are someone like you know adam and myself where you're like stutely like anti-war right like stutely. you 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 know for ethical reasons of course you're anti-war and you you know you don't you don't want soldiers of your country you don't want insert you don't want soldiers of another country or you know especially uh citizens or or, or non-combat non-combatants to like get hurt ever but when you're anti-war people who i wouldn't say like pro-war but like pro-military seem to assume that you are anti-military like you are anti people who were just trying to do a job right and there's that complexity right like you you you're anti-military industrial complex but like there's human beings behind those uniforms there's human beings behind those guns and like when you're a humanist who is anti-war that's a very they almost seem diametrically like opposed at some point like like you want to support human beings but like not when they're you know going not when they're being told by politicians and rich people to go kill other human beings right and i think this song does a wonderful wonderful job of explaining that complexity and that and that uh, that idea that like, you can be anti-war but pro humanist pro human rights Right, and it, it 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 really makes an enemy out of um, the military industrial complex as a whole. So let's go ahead and jump into the song, Adam. If you well, if you would like to cue it up, I believe I shall. Okay, it was very fun to go back and re-listen to this album. This is my number one hundred and eighteen album. Hmm, top two hundred, baby. Yeah, top one fifty too exactly oddly enough city by the light divided is right next to it 
<laughs> I don't know Ooh. how that worked out. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Do you know what and score you this, gave it? Or I what score you gave Common one, Existence? Oh, it's a 10 out of 11. Because okay. uh, Time's Arrow is the only track on here I don't like. It's bizarrely forwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy the rest of this album thoroughly. It was fun to go back and re-listen to it again. And I put it slightly above A City by the Light Divided. Interesting. Mm, you and I are going to have some words, my friend. You and I are going to have some choice words in the future. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very equal albums in oh, my opinion. Oh, oh. Adam, I'm trying to have a good time here. Oh, you're just killing my vibe, bro. Thank you for bringing it back. Because I'm always like, I need to, I need to re- go back and remember why I enjoy these albums so much. Yeah, absolutely. But this was a big standout track. Obviously. Yeah, and 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 before we start with the song here, Common Existence is like a B plus in a sea of Thursdays. A A pluses. Okay, let's just end it right there. There's okay, the, there's the middle of that album. It's just kind of weird, and I don't feel the execution is very strong. But friends in the armed forces, which we will be listening to right now, in three, two, one, is just for me like the highlight of this album. So, you know, I already talked about the musicianship. Every member of the band is just giving it their all. You know, if you if, if if Jeff wrote this song about something else, I'd feel like the song would be just as strong. Jeff has Man, always that been. Kicks. Oh yeah, it does. Right, kicks right when it comes in there. And this fucking like keyboard section right here that like kind of builds up. Oh, mm-hmm. it chills every time, dude. So you know, there's like some choice lines, and I feel like every single line is like a political statement in and of itself, right? There's a purple oh, yeah. heart on the stars and stripes tonight. It's pinned to the chest of the latest liar. Like, there you go. And it's right there. Like, the, the pe- it, it's very rare that, like, you know, when you hear stories about, like, war or you know, particular missions that are very important to like, the war effort, the soldiers who executed the, 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 those missions are very rarely the ones who get the credit. It's always the general. It's always the president. It's always, you know, the people who are in an air-conditioned, comfortable desk somewhere, literally toying with these human beings' lives, right? Like, risking their lives for whatever they're trying to achieve. And that's, like, the the the, the main crux of, like, the, the disgusting nature of war. It's always the soldiers are the pawns, right? And even though you can support the humans on the human beings in those uniforms on a human level, what they're doing is always what you're against, right? And that, it's not necessarily their choice. And they're they're just kind of there to do a job, right? And it's a complex it's a complex feeling. Like I'm the son of a Navy vet. Granted, he was he was in the Navy during peacetime working on computers on a ship, right? So like if if I hadn't told you that like he was in the military, you know, it, it's you would just be oh that's just a job right and like i've seen so many like articles and documentary interviews for like these veterans who they're probably talking about like va rights and how the u.s doesn't like treat them well after their service is done and which this song kind of gets into too right like the song talks about um like with the line here another folded flag to a mourning mother he was an army of one but they'll find another oh my god and then the fold of the body bag somebody check uh, somebody check for a heart, you know. It. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. It's it's somebody. They wrote a check for a hundred grand. I think is the is the line, but um, and that and, and that 
kills me on the inside, right? Like, it's just the idea that these people who are executing the orders of these generals and presidents and leaders and stuff are, they're just disposable. Like, we, 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 we lure in poor people, and at least in this country, with promises of, like, money and college education and a better future. But when they're done and they lose their limbs, sometimes lose their lives and have shell shock and PTSD, and we don't even take good care of them when they're done. The VA in this country is a joke. Like they don't take care of the soldiers that have risked their lives, given their lives, lost friends and loved ones, come back broken people, you know? And it's just, and meanwhile, while generals are getting purple hearts and medals and things like that. And that's, that's really where the, where the anti-war sentiment comes in, right? And that's, that's what kills me. This song is, behind the banger chorus, behind that chills uh, keyboard that Andrew Everding is just like so punctuating uh, and hitting and, and hitting like flawlessly and Jeff is just singing and screaming his heart out. There are these like really painful reminders that that we live in this country that continues to perpetuate this endless cycle of war. You know, thankfully, like we're, we've been out of um, Iraq for like, you know, two years, but like the war effort's still going on somewhere. Like there are still soldiers and um, military presence in other parts of the world too. But you know, at least we're not drone drone bombing elementary schools anymore. So I, I don't know, or maybe we that are. We you know know. Of. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that we know yes, of. Sure, we have to do that. That's how we we you know make sure everything stays on the up and up. Yeah, that's that's why our taxes are so high. And you know, and you want to you want to go down further. You want to go further up the ladder. Why are why are our tax rates so fucking high in this country? Bombs are fucking expensive, dude. Bombs and tanks and military jets and all this all this like military showboating is so fucking expensive. And who's the one who has to pay for it? We do. And, yeah. and we like I would much rather have some of that money going to take care of these of these veterans who've again have risked their lives and their and their blood and their tears and their and their minds and their hearts to protect us and like that that's another thing another another thing that this song goes into is like you know they they say you're defending me but I'm on and I'm untying yellow ribbons on every single tree I see and that's 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 a great metaphor for like oh I'm I'm anti-war so I'm taking off all like yellow ribbons in this country, if you don't know, or, or, or like the symbol of like supporting your veterans, kind of like the pink ribbon for breast cancer, um, so breast cancer research. So if you know if, if someone's untying yellow ribbons, they're like, oh, it's because it's because they're anti-war. But you know, but at the same time, a soldier might see that and be like, well, I guess you don't, I guess you don't support me then. So like, again, it's, it's a complex song, and I could go on and on forever. But I think, like what I mentioned is that every single line is its own like political statement in and of itself. And there are dozens of these lines already. And I think it's just so well-written and so, and, and, and so it speaks to the complexity of what the song is talking about. Man. Well, yes, I agree. And especially by 2009, I always forget that this song was not written like right after nine 11. Right. But, it feels like you know, it is. By 2000, right? By 2009, it was just like, wow, everything is still going on. And it's like eight years that we've been at war. Oh, my God. Man. I wish it was just eight years. <laughs> Fuck, it went on for it 20 all- fucking years, dude. 
Because all the anti-war songs kind of came out in like 03, 04. And then it was just like, oh yeah, that's right. It was still going on in 2009 when most of our brains had just moved on with our lives and started forgetting about it practically at that point. From Thursday themselves too. They wrote the album War Mm -hmm. All the Time that has a lot of like anti-war songs. Oh yeah. And that was 03. Yeah, 2003. Yeah. So by 2006, we were just like, well, we wrote all the songs. Let's go back to talking about our feelings again. Yeah. Here's a masterpiece. Here, here's all the existential dread I've been feeling because from all this war. <laughs> so this was like just a very pinpointed biting statement that not too many people were doing by that point. I yeah, because I, I do. I do feel like anti-war songs are hard to write. You know, you can go mm-hmm. the rise against route. Right, where they're yes. like, and, and I'm thinking immediately of um, um, hero of war, right? Where I right. don't f- 2008, 2008, yeah. which yeah. you know was reminding us at that point. Yeah, and and rise against, you know, they're they're no stranger to like political songs and anti-war songs, but what that song does that I feel like this song does better, it, it, it people of war, I I think doesn't hit on the humanity that's attached to the military personnel. I think it paints military personnel as like evil people or easily corruptible people, which, you know, you could probably make an argument to be like, oh, well, sometimes they are. And like, I guess there's an argument to be said by that. But what I like about this song, Friends in the Armed Forces, is that it, 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 it takes a look at soldiers as complex human beings who are just trying to do a job and they're not they're not the ones at fault and the ones that we should be angry at you know you know i'm I'm thinking back to all the uh you know the new news articles i guess i've read about like um vietnam soldiers coming back to the u.s after the after the u.s left the country and then like anti-war protesters would like spit on them and like i get where you're coming from with that anger but i feel like that anger is misplaced right we, we shouldn't treat afghanistan and iraq veterans with that same disdain and i feel like i've seen sentiments where people did treat you know and uh, iraqi and Af- afghanistan vet- veterans with that same disdain that they did or uh, soldiers of vietnam right and uh, again it's misplaced like put place your blame on you know the president at the time and and uh you know, the, 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 the generals who are making these orders. Right. So yeah, I, I, that's why I love this song. And it, it, it's a, it's kind of a feel bad song, but you know, when you're talking about, why wouldn't it be, why wouldn't it be the greatest song in the world if it wasn't a feel bad? Song? <laughs> exactly. Dude. Yeah. I mean, dude, come on. dude, we should make a bet. Mm-hmm. Who's going to bring the first feel good song to, <laughs> to this segment. Mm. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, so you know it's 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 just so well written and it really elevates a song that's already great, right? And 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 as some like I said as somebody who is like the son of a military veteran and there's that and there's something to say about that weird fetish fetishization of of military personnel that we have in this country. Like every veterans day, like everybody regardless of your veteran status or what you did in the military whether you just like worked on computers or you know you killed a bunch of civilians because your general told you to like 
everyone's like, oh my God, thank, thank you for your service. Oh, do you want a handy? Like, let me give you a handy. You deserve it. You know? <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of these veterans are just like, dude, I signed up because like, I had nothing else. I, I signed up right. for the military because I had nothing else going for me in my life. It was just a job to me, you know? Exactly. It was like this or yet another Walmart shift. Yeah, and, exactly. Right. And, you know, and, and there's, there's also something to say to be said, especially these days about like recruiters lying to young people to get them to enlist. And, you know, there's that disgusting aspect to it. And, oh man, there's too much to talk about. So maybe we should just like kind of punctuate it right there. Right. Like, so okay. for that reason, Adam, Friends in the Armed First Forces by Thursday is one of the greatest songs ever made. Nice. Greatest songs in the world, I think, is the is the, is the name of the segment. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, that was fun. On to the next greatest song. I have to figure yeah. that out for next month, I guess. Oh yeah, I've I've I thought you like have made like a list, right? You just kind of picking from a list. Oh no, they just it's just in my head. Nice. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm creating like a rolling list now, so I'm like, okay, well, which which one am I in the mood to talk about for the for this one? And 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 I'm and I'm glad I kind of landed on this one too, because you know, like you said, like, oh, you were surprised that I picked this one. Like, this is this song is a bit of a forgotten gem, you know? Right. And it's not a forgotten gem from a forgotten album. I feel like nobody ever really talks about common existence. I do, but you I'm do all the one. time. He doesn't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll re-listen to it every couple of years and be like, I don't know what Mike's, you know, issue is with this one. Can you That's really cool. tell me that the song Circuits of Fever is a good song? Can you of really course. tell me that Subway Funeral is a good Thursday song? Of course it is. No, it's not. I'm Times sorry, Arrow Adam, is you're wrong. Bad song. <laughs> Times, Times Arrow, Arrow I love. It's a great, like, <laughs> it's a great, like stopgap between the first half and the second half it's like time times arrow is when the album starts getting weird but at least times times arrow is like a good song i know i love it and mm. you are the cancer you are the cancer i mean it's oh. a metaphor for the podcast i guess is that the way you think of me every day <laughs> i do right now <laughs> every time i send you the invite to the to the to the podcast call you're like well don i gotta go the cancer's cancer. calling <laughs> I, got, cancer. I gotta take care of this cancer <laughs> damn it jason butler me and the cancer Yo, jason you got cancer you got cancer just like sandy she died of the cancer oh i'm not gay oh <laughs> oh Man, poor Olivia Newton-John. The cancer gotta. Oh, damn it. Uh, and poor anyway, John Travolta. He just—if he would just admit he's on. gay, like. Well, his yeah. wife died of the cancer too. Oh, so much gay cancer around him. <laughs> he's given everyone cancer so he doesn't have to be married to a lady. Oh, oh, those summer nights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, once again, I hope you enjoyed this segment. But uh, if you would like to participate in any in any way you so wish, uh, you can do so. Uh, as a reminder, over on a Discord page uh, at the Skinny Podcast, that link to that is in the description. Or you can email us, like our good friend Thomas did, at the Skinny with Mike and Adam at gmail dot com. Adam, what have you been listening to this week? I'm gonna go ahead and finish up Dio. Q Jack Black once again. Jack Black! Thank you so much, Jack Black. It's very nice of you to write another song for for us for this week. I know. I mean, like it said, Dio has rocked for a very long time, and now it's time to pass the torch. So I figured it was fitting as I bring my Dio journey to the end. I'll have 
two more albums to talk about next week, of which he was the lead singer of, but um, the end of Dio proper will be uh, this week of his final solo album called Master of the Moon in 2004. Not a great album. That album art still will haunt my nightmares in a wonderful, wonderful way. I love it, and I'm so sad that it's (laughs) not continuing after this. (laughs) Um, But there's a couple of good songs on here. I think I gave it like a 6 out of 11, you know, so it's, it's Dio kind of reaching the end of the road. So it seemed like a right time for him to kind of move on. From and this. It, and he's still fine. just doing like legacy heavy metal stuff at this point, right? In 2004, when again, yeah, yeah. Uh, again another musical shift in rock is, is, is starting to kind of take over. I know. He yeah. like tried to incorporate some My Chemical Romance into this album, but it just didn't work. Oh, I really? really upset. I was really upset that he tried. I mean, he, he did this whole song of like, you know, like, and not okay. <laughs> and, but it was like with him singing, and I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. Oh, I can't, I see. I can't do this. making jokes now. All right. He, I he talked about like being, being in love with a girl in the cubicle. And I was just like, no, you can't do this, Dio. You've already rocked enough. You don't need to <laughs> bend to the next wave of, of, guys wearing black i heard that dio in preparation for writing this album like he was on his way to a cartoonist job uh he was in a cab (laughs) in new york city and then he saw the twin towers come down and then it was an inspiration to write uh, master of the moon yes and just it just fell fell poorly unfortunately so Mm. can't recommend this one too much so i had my standout dio albums from the early years and obviously strange highways i think is going to always have a special place in my heart but nice dude um, this this was fun to to do all this stuff so what's interesting obviously 2009 he gets back with the black sabbath guys he passes away in 2010 but the all all the guys that were in his bands through the years carried on even after him. So two tribute bands of former musicians came from this. One is called Dio Disciples, of which Craig Goldie is the lead guitar player and several other guys who were on um, drums and um, bass were, were in this band for a while. Um, I don't know if they're still going. They don't have any more information but um, the other band featuring Vinnie Apice and Vivian Campbell um, called themselves Last in Line. They've actually released two albums um, that I did not know about until recently. One in 2016 and one called uh, Two, just the Roman numeral Two. So that's interesting to hear about. And and they obviously carried on playing, you know, Dio songs and everything. So it's interesting that like all these guys could get together as long as Dio's not there, they can have like <laughs> successful things. Cause Vivian Campbell left the band in like 1986 or 87 because of his differences with Dio. And he's like, Oh, Dio's dead. Oh, we should go back and like play all those songs again. Cause those songs are really good. As long as Dio's not there. We'll be okay. I wonder if it was a contractual <laughs> thing because that kind of, that kind of shit like happens even to this day. Where you know, think, thinking back on the the band Drugs, where uh, after everyone who wasn't Craig Owens left the band, and they were like, "Hey, we're going to mm. write some new music because you know some of us are singers," and then right. Craig Owens put a stop to that legally because I guess when they signed the contract to be in Drugs, they there was a clause in there that said you can't write music 
together without me that's so <laughs> fucked up so i wonder if there's something similar to that we're over here we're like you know as long as i'm alive motherfuckers you guys can't write music without your boy it's dio huge, right but why would they want to go back and like because they only played like the songs from the first three albums oh interesting they got back together so no i don't think that was the case i think were they just scared I, I like, of dio <laughs> i would like to believe that after all those years they were in a better place and then just started jamming on those songs again. And we're like, sure. Hey, we can go back on tour with Andrew Freeman on vocals who I don't know what he's been a part of. Apparently he was the touring guitarist for the offspring in 2008, everybody's favorite era of the offspring, but 2008's <laughs> offspring. That's right. My favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been in a few other bands, but um, so that's kind of interesting that this band, uh, you know, the Dio band kind of has carried on even a decade after he passed away. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like anyway. you said, like they've he's left quite the legacy, you know, based on his talents and his stage presence and his and just like his overall like cult of personality, you know. Right. And being carried on through uh, Stranger Things, the show. There's the character who is a Dio fan, I believe. Yeah. Which, when they contacted. That's a great character, by the way. When they contacted the Dio, you know, I don't know, legal team um, and said, like, hey, it's okay. Like, yeah, like Dio's wife sent them like a ton of Dio shirts and merchandise to that were eventually used on the show. Hell yeah. Dio fan character. If I watch Stranger Things, I tell you his name. His name is Eddie Munson. He's a great character. He's like he was a standout for the last season. Eddie Munster. Got it. (laughs) Eddie Munster, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I so finishing up Dio proper. It was fun. Some good albums there, some really good songs. Um going back to the 70s with Dio before he even joined Black Sabbath uh, for the band Rainbow. Um this is a fun album. This this album from 1991's uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. It is called Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Self-titled album. I thought it was called something simple like that. So this one is featuring Man on the Silver Mountain, which is probably the only rainbow song I could think that is still played on classic rock radio. What a good song, man. That's pretty fun. What a good album. Holy shit. This is like, like if if you wanted like some Led Zeppelin influenced kind of stuff with Dio singing, um, you got it. That's this is all seventies kind of blues rock, um, fantasy themed kind of stuff. Um, man, does Dio talk about rainbows? Pretty much at least once in every album, he mentions the word <laughs> rainbow, which is interesting. You I don't know what that in, is all about. In the band Rainbow or in his In his band? whole his whole stuff, everything oh, he's ever done. There's always the mention of a rainbow somewhere. So I think that's like the, the Easter egg <laughs> element. <laughs> For of, true fans it, only. Only right. true fans will get this reference. So uh, Richie Blackmore left Deep Purple. <clears throat> um, he started jamming with Dio. Dio was in a band called Elf. They brought in the other Elf guys to be in the band just for this album. So this is like Elf and Richie Blackmore created this album. And I, and I really like this one a lot. There's a really cool um, 
Yardbirds cover, like an instrumental cover of the Yardbirds called Still I'm Sad. Um, so that's a really awesome instrumental track to close out the album. And yeah, like it, it, it's all it's all there. There's nothing to really hate about this except for a couple of tracks that are just like, well, you know, like let's, that's just like some, some rock and roll fifties kind of inspired stuff that you would get throughout some seventies albums here and there. Like remember the fifties when we all loved rock and roll, let's make a song like that. (laughs) Bleh for the rest of us living in the now. So um, again, his, his vocals aren't as prominent because obviously Richie Blackmore's guitar was going to be like the huge prominent standout. But um, still, fun album to listen to. So he did two more albums with them, 1976 Rising and then 1978's Long Live Rock and Roll before uh, they parted ways and he went on to be in Black Sabbath. So I'm listening to those two albums this week. Um, Similar kind of stuff from what I can tell. Nothing like crazy awesome standout. But if you like that Man on a Silver Mountain song, it's a pretty popular song. I'm, I'm I'm wondering if you if you YouTubed it if you would recognize it. But yeah, I'll have to look that up. I mean, I'm gonna look it up for you. I'll, I'll look it up for for after we listen to or after we're okay. done with this episode. Okay, and then I will. I think I'll, I'll be done with Dio. Um, I could go back and listen to all of his Elf albums, which I think there's like three, and at least like th- four fifths of that band is dead now. But I don't. I don't think I'm going to go back that far. <laughs> no, no reason for me to do that now. But they did like kind of reissue. His wife reissued all the Dio, the Elf years um, stuff after he passed away as well. So she's still making money. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad somebody is. Mike, do you want to talk about this generation and the music that they create? in the 2020s or do you want to talk about space the final frontier (laughs) (laughs) let's just talk a little bit about some more recent stuff because okay uh you know this past week you know we already talked about uh tiny moving parts uh we we were given exclusive rights (laughs) as the most premier tiny moving parts uh (laughs) podcast out there we were given exclusive uh it, we ripped it off the internet uh but <laughs> uh yeah but we, you know we, our thoughts are out there it's an okay album you know it's not some of their best work but there's some good stuff on there so uh i listened to it once this past week uh so the only thing new, the only thing new that i'm checking out for this new week uh is a uh, young blood and uh did I, I can't remember did you check out young blood's album from like no. two years ago I've never listened to Youngblood except for his features. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was most prominently, I guess, for fans of this show, he was uh, in the song Obey by uh, Bring Me the Horizon on Posthuman. Uh, yeah, Correct. so like that kind of turned me on to his music and stuff and because he has a very interesting vocal style. So I checked out that album from a couple years ago, and it's like, well, okay, and well, I, I like where he's coming from. I, I like the cool positivity that uh, he he exudes in his songwriting, which is a kind of a breath of fresh air. So this kind of follows up. This is a self-titled album. This is his third album overall. Uh, and again, there's there's that there's that positivity, and you know, it, and there's kind of there's there it, it, it's kind of all under this umbrella of like like uh, LGBT rights and LGBT youth being seen. Right. And like they're in their and their feelings being validated. So if that's something that's important to you, I think you'll gain a lot from this album. Uh, but overall, it's just an album about like 
validating your feelings and uh, being positive and, 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 and treating yourself well. So that's a cool kind of... Adam, God damn it. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about anti-war stuff a little bit. <laughs> Adam kidding, only I'm listens kidding, to of sad course. stuff. I'm kidding, of course. I just thought it was a moment for... Well, he's only he's only saying that because he's, he listened to this past week something, an album that's, that's just full of brutality. But uh, <laughs> I did. I didn't fall asleep once. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm excited to check it out some more. But if that's something that you uh, think that you would enjoy, go check out Youngblood's new album. It's called Youngblood. Uh, that's L-U-N-G. What? Is this album number two for him? Album number three. Uh, the, the, one, three. the one from a couple years ago. I want to say it was either last year or 2020, but uh, it was, that was album number two for him. But uh, okay. yeah, it, it's it's it, I'm enjoying it so far, and like musically, it's 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 a catchy album. Uh, so I, I think I'm just going to end up enjoying it more and more with uh, subsequent listens. Um, okay. But before we talk about space, uh, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about like getting uh, brutally murdered and then eaten by uh, somebody well, you went on a date on date with uh, with Ethel Kane. So this was fun. <laughs> This was I, interesting. This I can't was... tell if you're being facetious. <laughs> this is Preacher's Daughter uh, from May uh, 12th of the, earlier this year. This was, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. That's all I can say going into Preacher's Daughter. You got your frightening photos of, of her that haunt my dreams. Um, <laughs> and a very unsettling the, album art, by the way. <laughs> the, the interesting album art, I'm like, is this supposed to be her? Is this a, a, a another famous picture? that was used for this album art. I mean, but she it very is like much sets the mood though, doesn't it? There's a lot of thoughts I have in my head about this album. Cause yes, it is all over the place. Look at all these genres. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I don't I, even know where. So <laughs> now, now you know where I was coming with and I was trying to like describe it. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. what There's even nothing to describe is this? <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a autobiographical album at all. So I had to look at it from, even though she's talking about, she's just putting a character through every single possible bad thing that can happen to hear to her. And I love the themes. I mm. love the small town, small town biblical thing. I love, you know, like we could break out of here, baby, and move to Nebraska we got like, oh, you're in a bad relationship. Oh, you're, you're being molested by your dad. I could, I could, I love incest. I, I love the themes. Adam, phrasing, I love, like, phrasing, phrasing. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Please don't, uh, <laughs> please don't cut that out. Um, I love like, oh, now I met this guy and he's so cool. And then like, oh, I love that he's like, oh, now he's making her into a prostitute and she's like being a stripper, doing bad things. And then like, oh, and now he's like making her, like, making her take drugs and selling her into like that sort of thing where women have to do drugs and have sex against their will. And then, oh, he kills her. Oh, and then she's dead. There's six minutes of instrumental music about her dying. I love the themes. (laughs) And then she's dead. And then she's talking to her mother and then she's being eaten Mm -hmm. by her killer. And not just being eaten by her killer. Grateful for it. There's, there's a whole arc of things here 
I just I just hate every single song on on this album. Pretty much, I don't I don't enjoy <gasps> any song. Oh damn it! You had me in the first half, Adam <laughs> Gort. You son of a bitch. The themes, the <laughs> themes are great. Can she ever make an album that is ever going to top this? Never. It's you can't do that ever again. You've you've covered everything. Nothing else will surprise. Yeah, us literally at this point. Hit. Through everything at the wall, right? Through every just, fucking thing at it, and like that's so ambitious. So right. what just doesn't do it for you is the is musical part of it. I don't enjoy any song on here at oh, all. But I jumped into the song. lyrics. I jumped into the lyrics, which made it even more confusing because, like, they're talking about characters, and there's no mention of any like characters by name. There's no mention of like the first guy that she's with who ends up dying in some sort of like, like shootout with the police after like robbing a seven 11 or something like that. And then she ends up with like the bad guy who ends up eating her. Like when you look at lyric genius, they're breaking down like, Oh, this is when Ethel and Isaiah are dating and they're doing this and that. And now Ethel and this other guy, what is his name? Like, where did these names come from? Um, I, I have no idea. Yeah, so, and that's something that when I was going so the, through, where's where's the book? Where's the graphic novel that I was supposed to read along with this the album? Armory to break Wars, it down. The Ethel Kane yeah. years. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I I want to. I need to read that to to further go deeper with this. But um, yeah, like everything else, the doom metal elements was just like okay, I. I, I, I like it makes a point of that she's d- being killed and and dying, and then six minutes of of dying. So this is like the biggest disconnect of an artist like existing in the real world, and then creating an album that seems so autobiographical, but has nothing to do with her as a person. The only thing I can connect it to is Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> but at least that took place on in an alternate dimension on another planet. So I can I, I felt like I could accept that better than this that takes place in Alabama and Nebraska. I know, Nebraska. I, I don't know where she's where she ends up being eaten, what state that ends up being in. But see what I thought it was. I thought it was yes. more exaggerated stories based on events in her life that were meaningful right and it's supposed to be exaggerated and supposed to be like out it of is. this world and full of violence but then and I... sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff because like that's you know I'm, I'm sure at some point there's truth to each of these songs right especially the last one but anyway mm-hmm. she she wrote this <laughs> album from somebody's stomach <laughs> <laughs> but, so like I'm I, I went through all of the emotions. I I can't imagine I don't know. Like I, I the, the album art throws me off too much too as her just Well the album oh, art is, is meant to you know evoke a mood. Like look at that, like that fucking world that fucking wood paneling not, sitting in front of a picture of woman. Jesus Christ. That's not the woman that went through everything that I just experienced over 75 minutes. She might minutes. be the main character, right? I don't think so. That, you don't think that so? woman that woman is not the main character. Okay. Maybe <laughs> it's just meant to evoke a mood. I don't know. You know, we're we're not experts it at does. this album. 
you know it does but it definitely does but, set yeah. the stage right it sets it sets like the mm-hmm. set there's a setting there's an aesthetic to this album that i feel like the the album art captures really well because all the songs you know the the the, the fucking psychopath nature of some of uh the characters here the the the, the whimsy the the darkness the and i i feel that this woman in the picture would have been smarter to not end up in this situation <laughs> <laughs> and you're regardless of what, on. <laughs> regardless of what she experienced in her childhood, there's no way that woman ended up dead in a freezer eaten. I just I don't I don't believe that. I, I can't put that together in my in my head. That woman didn't become a prostitute and a stripper. Adam, like this this album I is guess a I work of, this is a work of fiction, not based on any <laughs> I just feel like that woman is is smarter than the woman that ends up in this situation. So I, I'll, that's all I'll, I'll leave it at. But, and also I, I had this thought of like, okay, she does sound so much like Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah. Isn't and it, so it, I kept on thinking yeah, outside of like the musicianship, which sounds like you didn't enjoy like her voice though. Oh my gosh. She's such a good singer. But also I, I realized like, Oh man, if Olivia Rodrigo made this album for her second album, man, that would have been amazing because she's already established herself one way. And maybe I need to go listen to the EPs um, to, well, one to see EP, how I she think, established. Right? There's two. Oh, there's two. Yeah. They're, they're both like 30 minutes long, six tracks. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so I just like, I was putting, I, I had that thought. I'm like, man, I hope Olivia Rodrigo gets eaten in a freezer somewhere in Nebraska. That would be awesome. But on an album, this one, on an album. Phrasing, oh, I mean, Fra- on an phrasing. Album. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> um, so I'm. Uh, that's where I'm leaving it. I, I I'm not going to put it on my end of the year list. I'm going to like politely put this on my dumpster file with Memphis May Fire for the year and a couple others. But um, that that's where I am. That's Interesting. I so it, it sounds like there was a lot of aspects that you actually enjoyed about it. It's just when it comes down to the musicianship Ex- execution. and the execution, that's At where it, that's where it loses you, right? Because to- what was it? Ptolemya is that how you pronounce it? The the, the ninth circle of hell mm-hmm. uh, when she dies. Something like, like that. That song. That song's pretty dope, but it doesn't fit with the rest of the album at all Mm. it fits the theme but i'm just i i I can't listen to that song and put it next to like american teenager you know even though they're in the same album they sound like completely different worlds apart from each other this sounds like a greatest hits from somebody who's been an a musical artist for decades and has has run the gamut of every single you know, trend and art and artistic style that you could possibly think of. Right. So when I think about like, Oh, maybe I'll connect a little bit more to her next album. It's like, what the fuck are you going to do on your next album that you haven't already done? There's nothing that you can do. You're done. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Hang it up. Hang it up and go work at Walmart. Sorry. <laughs> Ethel. There's nothing oh, left. Man. <laughs> you know, I would be very interested to see if she could like top this like thematically. Yeah. Right. I, uh, what else does she have would, in her in in, in her in her bag of tricks? Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see that, and I don't believe it can ever be done. So interesting. interesting. So at least you checked it out. I was I was doubtful that you were actually going to um, for this and year. I, and I feel it, bad. 
for her 20 year old fans that are like, wow, what's going to be next? And they're going to be so disappointed when she can't top this. I mean, history has kind of spoken that like a lot of artists who, who go all out, you know, on their first album, don't, don't always follow it up. Like, you know, with, with the same amount of success, but I don't know. It, it would be interesting. It would be very interesting. Right. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'll probably give it give it a spin in 2024, whenever it ends up. Or at happening. least, at least now you're familiar with her work, so you know we can we can discuss as as needed when we when because the end of the year is coming up, baby. Oh my god, it's it's mm-hmm. fast approaching, and I can't wait for this fucking heat wave to be over so that we can <laughs> go back to our jackets. How does, she, how does she perform this live? Does she? That's a great question. Dress? Does she just dress in a prairie dress in front of a keyboard and by herself and make these, these horrific songs? <laughs> or does she have like a band behind her and she's like wearing, you know, leather and I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, that's a very interesting thing. I hadn't questions. thought about that, you know? So that might be something like worth checking out, like just seeing uh, uh, maybe some live performance. Like I, I can think in my head, I'm imagining like a big, you know, like, uh, like uh, movie screen or something from, behind her and the band just kind of showing relevant imagery or you know like a video of some sort while the while the music's being performed to kind of evoke a mood you know and then of course the lights are going off you know stuff like that but that's very high budget and i don't what what label is this mm-hmm. on i daughters of daughters oh yeah of i don't, Kane, I don't know <laughs> i don't know what the i don't know what the budget that daughters of kane has for <laughs> for putting on live shows but that'd be interesting I, I, i'd be interested to check this out at, at least from a I live mean, perspective i mean when she performs at like the the county fair in alabama just i wonder what what's going to happen you know but at from 2 to 2 30 in the afternoon yeah, maybe, on a Wednesday. maybe alabama is a, <laughs> is a state that might be blacklisted you know you know maybe because maybe. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in alabama just hate her just for existing you know and we'll we'll leave it at that if we will okay sorry so i it's I, that's all i can say it's an interesting album make of it what ye will <laughs> well interesting is a much better review of what i thought you were going to say you know going mm. into this so i, I it, it it sounds like there's stuff for you to enjoy at least for the thematics, right? Mm-hmm. For for the for the cons- for the conceptual parts of this album, there's stuff for you to enjoy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the execution right. just seems to be where the disconnect is. But it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. I'm typing anyway. in Ethel Kane live right now, oh, okay. and I see a lot of like small venues, and I guess that okay. makes sense. Right. Oh, Ethel Kane, a house in Nebraska great. live where she's where she looks like she's in like an abandoned church with a giant cross behind her. And yeah, another small venue, small venue, small venue. So looks like again, like I mentioned, the budget isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine what a, a big budget Ethel Kane live performance would look like. Well, here she is just wearing a Georgia Bulldogs hoodie at the pitchfork music festival in 2022 yeah that's interesting yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's fucking cold outside man <laughs> <laughs> so, so moving on very interesting review adam like i, I feel like i want to listen to this again just try to with 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 your uh, perspective in there and kind of see where you're coming from because this is an album mm-hmm. that i think is a you know worth revisiting and judging for yourself i think everybody who listens to this would get something different out of it 
um, just like uh, the Afterman, Descension. So Descension, coming yes. off of my glowing review of Ascension, you know, I've got to say, Descension, a bit of a step down. The, the, it's not as epic. That's it for is sure. not as epic. And it's, it, the stories are it's still there. very. It's a very coming down to earth kind of thing after experiencing, you know, the afterlife. Yeah. The real afterlife. That mm-hmm. Claudio is the only one who's experienced it. All mother take us now, damn it. <clears throat> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so it is interesting, you know, from a from a narrative standpoint, listening to this after Ascension. Because you're right, you know, it's not as epic. It's not as bombastic as uh, Ascension is. But I think that's probably why this one was called Descension, because it really is... Mm-hmm the the after the climax of the plot you know we're coming we're coming down to the resolution almost and it you know there's themes of like afterlifes here and like coming to terms with the god you worship and and right oh my gosh there's so much like what's going all right can you please yeah, he, talk about the, the the themes a little bit more because I'm having a little okay. trouble putting it to words. So yes, obviously with key entity extraction five Century is, the <clears throat> Deviant, which is a great song. The Defiant. The oh, Defiant. Yeah. Deviant so Defiant, yeah, you're he's, right. He's he's the one who finally got Vic, you know, in trouble for all the terrible things that Vic had done in mm-hmm. his life. So but at the same time, um there's all this mess going on within him that Cyrus is, is living through about not turning Vic in sooner. So like that whole song is about being within Vic and going into his mind and working, reworking his brain over his guilt, which, you know, again, out there, but again, I want to listen. I want to, I want to be a fly on the wall for anyone listening to this has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) This is gibberish. (laughs) Like what the fuck? But again, that's, that's the, that's the shroom core that's going, you know, doing, doing the shrooms, going into your brain, healing from what you haven't been able to heal from, which it like, that's where that connection kind of goes in. So when he's finally able to do that, he takes like century, the defiant to the next level of the afterlife. So he's not in the purgatory anymore. So, you know, Claudio sums it all up in five minutes and 45 seconds. I mean, it's a really, really easy process when you break it all down. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) So then Cyrus is like, I'm ready to go back home. I'm ready to be with my girl. And then he realizes like, oh shit, I've been gone all the hard work of, you know, you know, not, uh, not spreading the word of the all mother, but like doing the all mother's bidding. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he realizes he's been gone for a year and a half where in his mind, it feels like he's only been gone for a few days. So then he has to come back and present what he's learned because everybody knows that this is what he was doing was going off to, to figure out what the key work was. Um, so he needs to come back and mend his relationship and present what he's learned to these people trying to figure out like, do I tell them like, well, this is what the afterlife is regardless of what all these different factions in the, in, in, in this world believe, or do I just make up something that blissful ignorance, dude? Yes. That's not going to just cause wars between all of these fighting religious factions. And guess who would be at the center of all that? You do. That's what the, right, right. So that's what the hard sell is all about of like, and, and that's why I love at the end of it, when like that distorted vocal is like presenting him 
as like you know the greatest man, their greatest oh, hero. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Iris Avery. It's like like that's all he's hearing is just like blah, 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 blah. it's it's all distorted. It's so freaking cool. Um. So there's that, and then then he finds out that Mary has met this this guy that saved her. Um. In, in the Ascension uh, aspect saved her from being drugged and murdered and raped and all that kind of stuff. So she like, no, has no, moved we're on. done talking about Ethel Kane. We're talking about, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she wasn't eaten. So that was, Oh, that's true. Wrong album, <laughs> wrong album, Mike. <laughs> so unfortunately Mary has moved on with this like other savior guy who saved her from the first one and is now pregnant with his child. And but then there's like a miscarriage like, involved too. Well, it's but, like, well, but that's where she's telling him this while they're driving after he's presented this and he like blows up at her and ends up crashing the car. Oh my God. And then, <laughs> then she loses the baby. Yeah. And, yeah. And gravity's union is all about like, like the, the them being like both on the verge of death and the doctor only being able to save one of them in this um so like that song is emotionally heavy right there as well and so eventually you know she passes away he gets saved he has all these injuries and he's left with the guilt of like well shit now i know that what the afterlife is and i just accidentally killed the woman i love <laughs> and i just her sent baby. her there fuck <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah there and and, and that's where away we go and iron oh, yeah. fist yeah find that. her in the afterlife and fuck mm-hmm. dude I think in dark side of me is him going to confront the guy. I forgot his character's name, the one that, you know, Mary fell in love with. And basically there's like this dramatic scene in the book where it's like raining Col- and he's like trying to I go. I think it was, right? Is, is that his name? I think oh, okay. it's Colton. Yeah, I forgot. So there's this dramatic scene in the book where he's going in and it's raining and he's just like, I'm so sorry. And I can't believe I did this. And Colton, if that's his name, just basically says like, why did you come back? And so like, that's like what dark side of me is all kind of encompassing, which is pretty epic. Um, and then, yeah, two's my favorite one is him deciding that he wants to go back and find her spirit and get her into the uh out of the purgatory and into the utopia like he did with century um and it and it ends and he goes off like basically he's he's killing himself by doing this because he knows that that he's not going to be able to come back after this so so no complicated themes pretty straightforward no uh, <laughs> no and if you know and a lot of these songs are are really good and I enjoy listening to them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it, it has to be an album that you listen to as a companion piece. Well, not a companion piece, literally the part two of the previous album. Like this is not a standalone album. I guess you could listen to it just to enjoy the musical themes, I suppose. But like mm-hmm. to just like, you know, I was talking about with friends in the armed forces, like the, the lyrical stuff and knowing the stuff, what the story is about and reading up on that kind of stuff elevates it to a, a much higher level. So, you know, it's good that I've been trying my best to follow along <laughs> with this super complicated sci-fi masterpiece uh, while listening to these, af- well, while listening to these albums. But uh, yeah, but if I were to say, you know, after the, the high highs of Afterman Ascension, like, you know, mm-hmm. Descension is taken as a whole is like, okay, well, you know, I, I enjoyed the previous album a lot more, but if you listen right. to it all at once, like I did, like on what Friday? Yeah. Where like I did on Friday, 
it 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 fits. It's a little long in the tooth, especially because I feel like you know the Dissension songs are not as strong as the Ascension songs. But thematically, everything fits, and and it's a cool through line. And if you're paying attention to those lyrical themes, you'll get a cool payoff at the end. Uh, And uh, yeah, so it's 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 a great double album. And I yeah, I think Key Entity is great. Uh, hard the hard sell is a really cool song i mean you, they're taking a lot of risks with the music side of things i think number city i was reading like that was one where like they were just like we're gonna start you know doing all these horn elements <clears throat> and that was something that claudio really wanted to do was try to like create a song that had that in it for the first time mm-hmm. so it was a very experimental music song as well as being this like super heavy emotional you know kind of death thing so, and again, I know Julian Baker did a song about flying through a windshield and crashing um, and what went through her mind during that. Got to remember, Claudio did it first. <laughs> gotcha, Julian. <laughs> I yeah. know you mentioned that earlier. <laughs> so uh, this one, you know, it, it doesn't spend the entire song talking about that. It's just kind of the first verse there on, I think it's Gravity's Union is, is that track. Yeah, I something like that, yeah. And then I think Dark Side of Me is a really good depression song. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite songs exciting. on this album. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and like two's my favorite one is so like upbeat and hopeful. Like, all right, I'm just going back into the key work to kill myself. Yay. Bye. <laughs> but it's so like upbeat and happy. You're just like, well, at least, at least well, it's he's, cause he's on a mission, right? It's cause he's like, he's, he's right. going to try to save someone. So that, that kind of right. adds a hopeful air and, to you know, it. At this point, he's got nothing to live for on on his home planet, so mm-hmm. he's, he's in a good place. <laughs> now, did you did you check out the bonus tracks? Oh yeah, uh, just like okay. just like you requested, and you know, Carol Ann is a great song. Ra- random man, random reality Carol shows Ann is a great is, song too. Yeah, Carol Ann is like biting. Good lord, like I know it's long. It's probably sh- should have been cut down by like a minute or so. Yeah. Um, so like, I wonder. Cause I didn't, I just listened to Ascension and then Descension. I didn't go back and listen to what was it? The, the deluxe edition, I think is where they all are put together. Were the right bonus tracks like incorporated into the album? Like, better? no, because I just, feel like these were odd as like, you know, after choose my favorite one. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not like epith- epilogue tracks. They should have yeah. somewhere in there. I know homecoming like it is, is like a transitional track between, the two albums mm-hmm. that was that was a bonus track for ascension and then carolyn obviously could have been put anywhere towards the back end of dissension um and the random reality shifts i don't know where that one kind of fits it's just kind of like another song i'm not there's no lore behind that one that i could yeah, find. yeah sometimes like with some of these songs they just have to take them as they are and then sometimes you can find lyrical things where like oh this, this fits the overall story and like the, and then mm-hmm. with three listen you start to become acclimated to a little bit more but yeah that's, that's what i felt yeah. like where caroline it, it should have been in in the middle somewhere of dissension right. and random reality shifts they, if you know if that was part of the story that should have been in there too so i would have kicked away we go out of dissension and put caroline in but then i'm just like man that would have really it would have just changed the whole feel of the album, really. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's like another 10 minutes, right? This is already like 40, 43 minutes long on its own. Like, what's another 10 minutes? Just, just throw them well, in. I, 
I would imagine he they just wanted it to be another nine track album. Oh, like, sure. Just to keep the the cohesion there. So that must have been painstaking to decide like, oh, we were going to take this one out because it is so cool and like all three of these tracks are just like acoustic you know so like really showcase his guitar playing and his voice with like nothing else yeah you don't get a lot of acoustic songs from uh coheed and camera so it's cool to like have that there so i guess from that point of view you can see why they wanted to put them like as bonus tracks Mm mm-hmm the the deluxe edition so like i like listening to both albums straight through like i just i'll sit down for an hour and 20 minutes and enjoy that oh yeah I recommend doing that uh, on on re-listens here. Yeah, now that I'm so, familiar I'm, with both of them, you know uh, that's definitely the way I would do it. Now it's you know it's an hour and a half long, but you know what else am I doing with my life? <laughs> Nothing, absolutely. Nothing at all, <laughs> except HRing, which is only so so fun, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so yeah, you'll jump into the. I mean, almost it almost feels like the whatever album that is the writer's block album, maybe (laughs) the color before the sun. Um, again, they're not on any major label at this point. They're on 300 entertainment, which I'm sure is like a a subsidiary of something. Mm -hmm. Some, some rich asshole owns that. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So this is just kind of like a, I, we don't need to, we don't need to figure it out. Let's just enjoy the songs for what they're worth here. Yeah. And I'm sure about writing all of the previous albums at this point, Claudio had, you know, unrelated songs that he wanted to do as well. So uh, that sounds from the Mm -hmm. sounds of it, just reading like the Wikipedia article on the color before the sun. It it just sounds like all this is where, you know, my unrelated music stuff, instead of maybe doing a side project, just do it all under the Mm -hmm. Coheed umbrella. Right, because he's got his side project albums as well. I forgot the name of that one, but I might check those out someday. Mm-hmm. So this one, you know, 10 tracks, it's still 47 minutes, but um, there's some fun stuff to enjoy here. There's some forgettable stuff. I'm not a big fan of the closer, Peace to the Mountain. It's a very long, slow song that I don't feel like it closes out the album so mm-hmm. well, but you know, it's probably like a seven out of 10, I think for me, sometimes a six out of 10. Um, but his, his son's name is Atlas. So track six is about his kid, his real life son, his real life son. Huh? So he had sex. He, he, yeah, he's been married to the same <laughs> woman for a long, long time. And Ooh, a real all of their relationships, all of, all of their relationship drama is like kind of mixed up in the, the good Apollo stuff. Oh yeah. I remember. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not that bad of an album. Like the songs are, are, are pretty decent. It's just, <clears throat> yeah. With how high kind of concept, expecting something <laughs> with how high concept coheed Cabri has gotten so far. What is it? Seven albums in now? Like, it, it, I think, like I think it's time to, you know, take a break and just, you know, mm-hmm. just, just write some songs now. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's all, all the metaphors are there of just being like at this level of, of being a musician and an artist and not being around your family very much and having relationship issues and not seeing your kid and all that stuff. So, you know, you can, you can enjoy it for that, that aspect on this album. And some of the songs are really fun to listen to. I know I like ghost as well. So, um, yeah, I hope. Yeah. So now it's time to transition from Claudio, the character, to Claudio, right. the man, the man, the 40 something year old man. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, this one came out in 2015. So yeah, interesting stuff. Nonetheless. 
Cool. I'm excited for something a little bit more different from this band now before we get into another high concept double album. <laughs> yes, because Vaxis One is quite the journey as well. <laughs> cool, man. Cool. So what we got? We got anything else? Um, I am listening to those other two Rainbow albums, and I decided to take a risk on a band that um, Dave's other podcast's host is talking about because he seems to think that their album that comes out this coming Friday is going to be like the greatest album of all time. Armor so for sleep band called. No, it's a band called until I wake. Oh, I think I've heard of them before. Let me look them up. They had an EP in 2021 and their first full length comes out on Friday. 2021 or 2001. I'm sorry. 21, 21. Okay. Yeah. Dave doesn't listen to anything before, uh, before he was born. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just listening to it. It sounds like your run of the mill post hardcore stuff for the 2020s. Um, but I'm I'm probably going to listen to that album next week just to see if it stands up. Cool. Well, I'm excited for this Friday as well, because uh, we got the rain museum from armor for sleep coming up. So, you know, we just did our big uh, retrospective review on uh, their the album that put them on the map. Go back and listen to that. That's the previous album to this. If you if you're if you're interested, uh, and uh, you know, I'm 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 thinking I want to do a track by track of that. Uh, you know, the, the the following week, right before you know the the bombardment comes. If it's good. If it's good, or, and I'm hope I'm really crossing my bad. fingers. Uh, if it's really bad, oh, I really want to do a track by track. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, okay. So yeah, I mean, we're just gonna unfortunately be comparing it to the early stuff. That's that's the sad part of it. Uh, we'll see. Try not we'll to. see. I hope it stands on its own. <clears throat> I mean, that, that 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 lead single's really got me uh, got me hoping for some good stuff for the Rain Museum. So yeah, so that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I do I do oh, want to mention this podcast that I found uh, this week? Um, called busted no sorry bust the bust. ryan U-S-T? the ryan yes the ryan leaf story now uh i don't know if you remember who ryan leaf is or was oh you talked about this on our discord didn't you yeah yeah it was a really interesting find i just happened to be kind of like like rummaging through youtube for like random football things and uh like this this Ryan leaf on the rich Eisen show video popped up and he was talking about, um, how he, how, you know, elements of his struggles, um, through the years. And I was like, Oh yeah, I remember Ryan leaf. He, he was drafted by the chargers in 1998. So obviously it was a big deal at the time for us charger fans. And then he quickly went downhill. And I just remember, I just remembered hearing random things like, Oh, Ryan leaf arrested, Ryan leaf arrested, Ryan leaf is hooked on, you know, Vicodin and arrested for stealing Vicodin and stuff. I'm like, man, that's crazy. And so I just typed into Google, you know, a Ryan leaf documentary, just in case there is something out there. Cause I wanted to know more, more information about this. And this podcast came up from November of last year. He did 10 episodes of just him talking, basically telling his life story. Oh, it's him. Good. Oh, cool. I thought it's it was just him. about him. Right. Um, but no, it's just him basically telling his life story of his rise and fall through the NFL ranks. And I mean, obviously he, he was, he got injured. He lost his starting job. He was cut by the chargers after, 
I think three seasons with them and then bounced around to a couple other teams, but never really like played so much in the NFL after that. And I mean, he was drafted right after Peyton Manning in 1998. So it was like a big deal. And when he was with Washington state in the, in the nineties from like 94 to 97, I believe it was like, like he was the biggest celebrity up there at the time. So, um, cause you know, other States glorify college football a lot more than California does. We did for a while there with USC, but then it like fell off the face of the earth after the Reggie Bush stuff. <laughs> right. So, um, but in the nineties and you know, Ryan leaf was the quarterback and, you know, took him to the Rose bowl for the first time in a hundred years and, and all that. So he was a huge star. Um, and then, man, he goes into so much details and so much depth about all the stuff that he went through. So it's 10 episodes. They're 30 minutes each kind of chronicling different phases of his life. And it, I, I had a really good time listening to it. For oh, that's really hours. interesting. Yeah. It's, it's not I'm a just like, player that like I'm familiar with. Right. So like, you know, I don't follow professional right. football or anything. So, you know, yeah. Hearing you talk about that, that, that got me like interesting, interested in it. Cause I do love a good redemption story. So since I've been so into these 30 for 30 documentaries that have popped up on Disney plus and like, and now like all these years are removed. So nobody has to like lie about what happened anymore. Everybody is like insanely truthful of what was really going on behind the scenes. And that stuff just, 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 just strikes me really, really well. So like the Manti Teo documentary was fun to watch. And, uh, and, and there was one on Brian Bosworth, who was like another huge college football star that ended up with all sorts of problems. And I remember him from back in the in the late 80s. So there was a, a documentary on him mm-hmm. on Disney Plus right now, too. Um, so but yeah, the Ryan Leaf one was really interesting because, man, he just goes up so fast and falls so fast. And and then to the point that he's like, you know, just addicted to Vicodin and 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 basically like breaking into people's houses. Oh shit. In r- rural Montana. He he like gets to that point where like nobody locks their doors in rural Montana. Right. So he would just like walk right in and start going through medicine cabinets and that was how he fed his addiction for a long time until he finally got caught and ended up in jail for th- almost 3 years. I want to say that the same exact Holy thing shit. happened with uh, Robert Downey Jr probably very similar stories like yeah i remember the story or remember reading about the story that like he similar he just went into somebody's houses house and like took some drugs and crashed on their couch Mm -hmm. and got arrested and went to jail (laughs) yep out here in riverside county yeah right right up the street from us wow look at that (laughs) maybe 60 miles east from us but still (laughs) right up the street right up the street it was a rough time so again the redemption side of it is definitely there. So, but man, the narcissism, like, like at least this dude is, is self-aware to know when he's being narcissistic and how it's something that he still has to like work on, but to like see him like barely know anything about that when he's 21 and like, all right, here's $15 million. You 21 year old narcissistic asshole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, how he did not, uh, respond to that in the correct ways that you probably should. But why are we giving 21 year olds millions of dollars when you all, when you break it down is, is, is a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you, and money in professional sports is, you know, it feeds this terrible cycle of uh, mm-hmm. making sure that your revenues are up for 
rich, rich, unathletic assholes and, you know, abuse, literally abusing the bodies of these young, often people of color, uh, men. So yay, professional sports guilt, (laughs) but not Ryan white. He makes it very well clear that white privilege was something that benefited him greatly through the legal system of Montana. That's very interesting that he has the self-awareness of that. yeah, Yeah. It's, he's just like, man, I saw many people do the same thing yikes a lot worse treatment than i got so well that sounds like something really interesting to check out this next week then yeah so if you have if you have the time i mean it's a it's it's kind of a long haul of 10 episodes there but i I found them riveting (laughs) yeah sounds good man i'll definitely have to check that out so That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Like we mentioned, go back and check out those songs. Check out the albums that those songs are, are a part of. I think you guys will have a great time. Uh, and uh, that'll do it for us. So tune in to next week's episode. We hope, we'll still, we hope you'll stay subscribed. Thank you for hanging out with us and spending your time with us throughout the week. For my co-host, Adam, I am your co-host, Mike. And like we say in 1994, when all of our friends are dying and just drugs are running rampant and killing musicians left and right. Hmm. Make sure the freezer is plugged in. No, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. Ethel right. <laughs> Kane's mother responded to that song. Oh, and told her like, please don't ever have me go through this. And I don't shop at Winn-Dixie anymore. So I'm just saying it's, it's an interesting album. Throwing her whole family under the bus, huh? Just for the sake of art. 